How does a case of free beer sound? Our pals at Beer52 are offering listeners to Factitious a free case of eight craft beers. Simply go to www.beer52.com forward slash fact 22 and cover the meagre postage costs of £5.95 to claim your free case now. Did you know that Beer52 is the biggest beer club in the world? Each month they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, including Belgium, Czech Republic and America. So far, members have experienced beers from 40 different countries spanning five continents. From big, juicy pale ales to delicious, sumptuous stouts, you can try the best beers from across the world with the UK's number one beer club. And if dark beer is not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. If you haven't had your fill of facts from this week's podcast, you will also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment and a couple of tasty snacks. Even if, after all that, you're still not satisfied, you can simply pause or cancel your membership at any time. So that's beer52.com forward slash fact22 to claim your free case of eight craft beers now. That's beer52.com forward slash fact and the numbers 22. Welcome to Factitious, a podcast which makes you question what you know and almost certainly go away knowing something you didn't know before. I'm Rob Graham and I'm joined by Tom Harrison. Hello. As always on Factitious, each week one of us will take on the role of the expert, trawling through little known facts about a range of topics, teaching the other using our three golden facts, designed to shock, surprise and wow our student. This week is episode 10. Episode 10. Crazy. Time flies when you're having an average time. (laughs) Fresh from Alcatraz last week, not literally, (laughs) I'm back in the researcher's chair with my latest topic and actually my penultimate topic of the series. Mm. So I'm going to make this a good one and then I need to look on my list and see what I've got lined up for episode 12. But episode 10 this week is Aliens, Mm. a treasure trove of... Yeah, I'm surprised that it's taken us this long to get to aliens but it's been my hardest one to research because i had no idea where to go (laughs) like i had so much information out there obviously on aliens and so many information well (laughs) quite and i think that leads me on quite nicely to what my first question is which is do you believe in aliens um yeah i believe that there is another form of life out there yeah whether it is that sort of um cartoon grey or green fellow the, the the black overlies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what we all know as an alien. Yeah, um that I'm not so sure, but um I mean there's gotta be, hasn't there? And this is kind of my logic as well. It's like the laws of probability means that it's almost certain there must be another form of life mm. somewhere else in space. And I know in a few of the topics so far we've touched on touched on like the different set of circumstances that have led really well to create a particular outcome so like in your apocalypse episode you were talking about the all of the different things that would need to happen to create like that super disease that would end up killing everybody but like you talked about the various temperatures all dropping at a certain point and all of this happening that then creates yes this and i think we know and i'm going to touch on it later what needs to happen in order for a life form 
to sort of be able to exist. And there's all these theories, mm. isn't there, about like if if the Earth was a hundred miles further away from the sun, mm, yeah. we would. I'm I'm saying that as a fact <laughs> on a fact based podcast. I don't know if there's a hundred miles, but that's kind of the idea is that we are perfectly it's in fine position. Fine margins, yeah. Yeah, it's not a hundred miles, so. <laughs> don't don't come at me for that one but obviously we talked about that and kind of in your Antarctica episode as well we talked about sort of the, the set of circumstances that needs to come together for it to happen and I think that's kind of my basis for believing in it is that there must be some other way that life is able to be created somewhere else the solar system the universe is flipping enormous yeah billions of stars yeah. with you know, dozens of planets around each. So yeah, yeah, just the numbers are crazy when and, you get into space. <laughs> and do I believe that there's a load of little green men that are going to arrive on a UFO? <laughs> no, obviously I don't. But do I believe there's something else in the universe? Yeah, I think I probably do. Let's hop on our UFO <laughs> and we'll come a lot closer to the present day. And I'm going to explain a little why we think of aliens the way that we do today. Okay. So here is golden fact number one. Ridley Scott is to blame for how we imagine aliens. Cool. Okay. <laughs> so... I've sort of asked you this question before, but when you picture an alien, what do you see? Yeah, I picture, I guess, yeah, two images is the, the little, the cartoon that you probably see, I don't know, like on The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's either grey or green, and he's got two arms, two legs, big black eyes, a big head. The first image that comes into my head when I think of an alien is the alien from the Simpsons episode. Do you yeah. know, the one that comes walking out from the trees. Yes. I can't remember what he says, <laughs> but it turns out it's not an alien at all. It's like... I can't think who it is, but it's a character, isn't it? That's... Yes, it's someone in a... Is it like Mr. Burns yeah. in a bed sheet or yeah, something? something like that. Yeah. But but that's what you imagine, isn't it? Yeah. The big head, long arms and legs, and like big buggy eyes. Yeah. We see those images of aliens depicted in movies, in books, TV shows, which are made by us. Yeah. So that is obviously <laughs> where it comes from. So science fiction stories often explore the relationship. It's never just about aliens, is it? It's always about the relationship between humans and aliens. Like, it's always... Are they going to come and kill us? Are they going to come and kill us? So we find them endowed with relatable human features because they Mm -hmm. have to be able to interact with us. So one of the guys that worked on Ridley Scott's alien films, Charlie Henley, who was sort of a special effects, uh, visual special effects um, supervisor, he said a lot of Ridley's designs are tied in with the human anatomy. I think that's the common theme. We put a lot of humans into the aliens. In our stories, we naturally anthropomorph... (laughs) We naturally, I've practised this, anthropomorphise these creatures so they end up looking, acting and feeling like us which is why the apple kind of doesn't fall too far from the tree in terms of what we imagine them to be because even someone like Ridley Scott one of the greatest minds of film Mm -hmm. still designed them to basically be things that we as humans could relate to because that's what you want in a film isn't it you you want to be able to relate with all the characters in some (laughs) way but when you talk to scientists actually looking for extraterrestrial life and not just imagining it like Ridley Scott, it's a completely different story. So Andrew Simeon, who works for the um, SETI, which is like the people who are investigating, I think it's the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute Research Centre, so the University of Berkeley in America, believe that if there's any life out in space that's similar to humans, they'd be using technology in a similar way that we would. Sure, okay. So... Um, Andrew Simon and his colleagues conduct astronomy experiments to detect signs of technology. 
out yes. in space so that they can then see because if if there are people that are like us out there they're going to be interacting with things in the same way that we would but that oh. that doesn't mean that being said that he has a better idea of what the creatures would look like and i found a quote from him where he basically said it's Ridley Scott's stuff is science fiction. I mean, as of now, hopefully someday we will detect life on another world, maybe many examples of life on many worlds, and then we can have more accurate science fiction. But I think as of now, a guess of a science fiction novelist is as good as a scientist. Okay. Science fiction is one expression of our profound universe and a profound sense of awe and wonder about how whether how and whether we are alone in that universe. Yeah, well, there's always that interesting relationship, isn't there, between science fiction and you know yeah. technology and science they normally kind of push each other a little bit yeah and and nothing ever even if you think of the famous sort of science fiction things things like star wars things like star trek i'm just thinking of those as two immediate massively popular examples mm-hmm. they they still have a lot of human characters in there don't they they have a lot of human characters and all of the the alien type things i suppose you've got things in star wars you've got things like jabba the hutt yeah, as creatures like that. Yes. I think actually, George Lucas has actually done quite a good job of creating these sort of other creatures from other worlds that don't necessarily look. I can't think of any aliens as such. I suppose it's not quite the same thing, but there aren't really any aliens from Star Wars that that, that are human in their form. They do have quite a few aliens who are two arms, two legs, but they'll normally have a weird head. It's kind of like the go-to. That's yes, the thing I suppose, they change. Yeah. But you're right, Jabba the Hutt is a, a good example of... Yeah. He's like a big fat slug, isn't he? And even if you think of some of the aliens that are in things like Star Trek and the things that aren't necessarily humans in Star Trek, mm. they're still human, basically, in their form. But I can't, I can't think... But even, like, if you look at Spock, who I know is supposed he's to be half human, but he is essentially... He's just a bloke with pointy ears. It's not... They've not been taken that far. No, and I think obviously that stems from the idea that we can't really imagine anything past what we are Mm. and also things that we would be able to relate to. And obviously if you then take a character that hasn't that you want to interact with humans but doesn't have any arms and legs, it's got sixteen eyes. It is normally they they change colour and they change the head. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's about yeah, that's about it. <laughs> we can't, and, but they, they, there's clearly a good reason for it. Yeah, yeah and I think that yeah. kind of makes sense. But if you had the chance to meet an alien, do you think you'd meet one? <laughs> uh, yeah, you'd have to, wouldn't you? Surely. Would I get a look at them before? Because if they were like, they're about to kill you. <laughs> yeah, they were massive with like three heads and big teeth. Maybe not. But if it was like a little Yoda fella, then I'd be all over that. But you think even Yoda, he's an alien and he's got two ears, two eyes, a mouth, yeah, a nose. Yeah, he's, yeah, got, he's got arms, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, With he's... like three fingers. That's another thing they change. Get yeah. rid of a few fingers. Because that makes something less human. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think I would. Although, could you chat to it? Because that's the other thing that they never talk about in Star Wars and Star Trek. Is all of is these... Everyone speaks English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jabba, Jabba the Hutt does... He's no, that's English. true, actually. Yeah, Jabba But they all understand what he's saying. Yeah. Everyone's fluent in every like intergalactic language. Let's not start pulling apart <laughs> science fiction too much. But I think... Yeah, I think, I, think, I think I probably would as well. As long as the situation was safe. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to. You'd be like, what's, what's going on? And I want to sort of hold on to the idea of meeting an alien until fact <laughs> yeah. number three because there is a a 
a lot of information about people who have met aliens. Of course. I'm going to save that for, <laughs> for fact number three. The chances are, like we've said before, that aliens probably exist in some form. We've sort of talked about it earlier. And golden fact number two, there's probably a good reason they can't reach us. So in preparation for this episode, I did some digging into some work by some quite famous astrophysicists, some people you've probably heard of. So uh, uh, Marguerite Adrian Pocock, who I can't imagine you've heard of. No, I haven't. Um, Professor Tim O'Brien, whose name might be familiar. Yeah. But the most famous of these people is Professor Brian Cox. Cool. So I don't know if you ever listened to the Infinite Monkey Cage podcast. I have, yeah, I've listened to a couple. So they did a lot of work on aliens and that sort of stuff and whilst i didn't listen to their episode i did do i did read what their background reading basically like they published like a reading list so i went through some of that stuff and sort of looked rather than just quoting verbatim what they had said which i thought might be slightly reductive (laughs) um it was interesting to look through what they had found and then sort of sort of translate it into our so like i said there was probably a good reason that they can't reach us there is a at least at least 10 good reasons i'm going to touch on seven of the main reasons that basically okay. aliens can't reach us so number one the life that's out there might not be intelligent life so there might be there might be human um alien life out there but there's nothing to say that it's got this we we we're thinking it's like us sure it might just be like bacteria yeah, yeah. um and if it was a series of chance events that led to the development of even multicellular life on our planet, who's to say that it happening elsewhere is going to have led to the evolution of a creature that is like us that would actually be able to communicate Even remotely with us. complex, yeah. For aliens to be able to make contact from millions and millions and millions of miles away, it would need to be physically and technologically advanced. So sure. that's number one straight away. They might yeah. not be as clever as us, in which case they might not be able to reach us. Number two, intelligent life forms may be living in conditions that make communication difficult. So similar to what number one is saying, but with three, 300 billion stars in the Milky Way, with many solar systems, 10 billion years or more in which a civilization could have arisen in this galaxy, is difficult to believe that no life form ever reached the point that oh, we've level, got where, yeah. it, where it could even travel, tra- travel interstellar distances like we can. So there must be something out there well, I'm saying I think there's something <laughs> out there, but has it got the ability to actually get off its planet in the first place? Like we can get... I think we're the most technologically advanced we've ever been, and we can get a person to the moon... And a thing to Mars. And a thing to Mars, <laughs> and something out onto the International Space Station. But yeah. we can't get a person to Mars, whatever Matt Damon in um, the, the Martian... <laughs> That's a great film. It is a great film. Uh, whatever we think, we can't get a person onto another planet... Um, no, well, they're doing a lot of. Um, were they? Were they Russian or were they? Oh, they might have been Japanese. Actually, they did a test, didn't they? Where they put mm-hmm. a group of people in a like a module for like four hundred days or something. As that, how long they anticipate yeah. it to take and go? Like, let's see if you can all get along yes, and like yeah. survive. Um, but that's as close as we've got, yeah. and we are a vastly technologically advanced civilization, mm. and we haven't managed to no, get further. True. So there's an Italian physicist called Enrico Fermi, and he said... Oh, yes, I know about the Fermi paradox. So it's, it's hard to explain why aliens haven't made it to Earth, but there are ways of explaining why it hasn't happened. So, like, our biggest problem is we only have one example of life, and that's our planet. 
like he he can't explain. Fermi says like he can't explain why aliens haven't made it here. But we might have to think outside the box. So like uh, Maggie Pocock, come on, what's her name? What's Adrian Pocock? Uh, basically says she's like if you live by a star which is quite active you might live below the ground it doesn't mean that intelligent life is out there but you might not have the means of transmitting because they might live below the surface of that sure thing for yeah. example but yeah the fermi paradox i don't know whether you want to touch on that a little bit but it's quite interesting yeah so i just understand it as it's the idea that there might be intelligent life out there but there's this idea that perhaps it, it it reaches a point where by the time you're technologically advanced enough to do like interstellar travel, something horrible happens and mm. you basically end up all killing each yeah, other yeah, through yeah. nuclear war or something. And so that because you, because you're technologically because your technological advancements have caused something else to then happen yeah. as a result of you being able to get off your planet in the first place. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's interesting the idea that a they might be out there, but they're too stupid to get off the planet, <laughs> or that they are clever enough to get off their planet, but they don't have the means of them being able to do it. So number three is they might be trying to communicate with us, but not in the same way that we're trying to communicate with them. Mm. So scientists recognise that if there was a civilization out there with a similar bit of technology, we might be able to pick up signals that they're sending and they might be able to pick up signals that we're sending. Um, And uh, Tim O'Brien said, we've used radio telescopes to listen out for signals from extraterrestrial civilizations since 1960 um and he basically says like there are so many different ways in which a life form might send signals we might spend our life <laughs> looking for them and still not be able to find it sure it's possible that we just haven't hit the right method but yeah could they, be under our nose for all we know they, we're not reading it right they might not have the right method so we might be just be constantly like you said earlier about us all being able to understand whatever Jabba the Hutt's saying. Yeah. We're all talking, we're all sending out these signals and they're send, we're sending them out in English, they're sending them back in Klingon. Yeah. And we and, and they're just going past each other and there just isn't that understanding. Yeah. The technology's that little bit different that means they're just bouncing off each other. It's like they're just repelling sure. each other each time. Or um, even something as basic as like these aliens, they might all be deaf. So sending... Yeah. A, an Elvis Presley song as an example of human culture, which I think they, they sent yeah. a CD, didn't they? It was the, Beatles the Beatles as well. Yeah, something like that. And it's just like, they might all be deaf because of whatever conditions on their planet. I so... like the idea that an alien's going to arrive one day and just be like, <laughs> we all live <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that might be useless. Or alternatively, if we then, you know, they might be able to listen to the Beatles, but we might have sent, I don't know, some poetry or War and Peace mm. or something, and they go, well, this, like, I'm blind, I'm, unless it's a Braille version, like, it, yeah, and even then they won't understand Braille, so it's, I, I think they did work on that, didn't they? Like, whatever, you know, what is the most, how can you convey a message? Presumably touch would probably be the best. If you're good enough to have created something that can... You know, you could project a message. I suppose sight would probably be a pretty safe yeah. bet, but touch would be like surely. But that's a lot harder to get your message across through touch, isn't it? Yeah. Because then, what do you do with the information? Like, at least if you see it, you can you 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 process things differently when you've seen them when than when you've touched them. I'm, I'm I don't have any friends or family that are blind, so I've never had this conversation with no. somebody about the processing of that. But you're then relying on them having fingers. True. Or yeah. some or an ability to manipulate 
what we've given them to be able to pick it up to feel it in the first yeah, place, or sure. even if they don't have fingers to be able to put it on their faces so they can feel it or whatever. Mm. I think visual has got to be the way, isn't it? Because at least you could then you could send like a model of the Earth and be like, yeah. "This is what we look like," <laughs> <laughs> or like a little, you know, a, a model of a yes, human being, yeah. of a man and a woman and a kid, whatever, and be like, "There are little versions of us as well." <laughs> like, this is what we look like. like a little Lego please, set. Please don't eat us. <laughs> <laughs> they all think we're all made of bricks. <laughs> But yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting idea that we could literally and we have spent decades and centuries trying to discover extraterrestrial mm. life, and we might just be speaking the wrong language. Sure. Well, almost, almost certainly, yeah, almost certainly. So number four, the stars are so far away that they are trying to get to us, but it's just taking thousands of years for their message sure. to get to us in the first place. So as well as a method of communication. Distance obviously poses a huge obstacle. For a new project called Breakthrough Listen, scientists are searching a million of the nearest stars to Earth. Um, But they're also looking at stars that are in the middle of the Milky Way, so 25,000 light years away from Earth. So a message has been sent from... So, no, a message hasn't been sent. A message that would be sent from one of those stars would need to travel in the region of 25,000 years... To reach sure. us. So there could be a message on its way, and it's just been coming since the time of like ancient Greece, <laughs> like before ancient Greece, like before the yeah. time of like the Neanderthals. Like, and that would be typical, wouldn't it, where the message finally arrives with it a perfect in English for whatever, saying we're right here, and you go brilliant. By the time you get there, it's just like burnt to a crisp. But yeah, then... if you think about the crazy, it's still, and I'm thirty years old. It still blows my mind the idea that like you're looking at the sun from like. The light takes the, it takes like eight minutes to travel. Yeah, for to the, the light Earth. to reach it. Yeah, and the sun is relatively close. Sure. <laughs> and so you're yeah. looking at some stuff that's twenty five. You're looking at things that are like a thousand years ago. Twenty five thousand years is an incomprehensible period of time for people mm. who live to a hundred years. The idea that a message could reach us, we could go brilliant. We're going to send it back, and like you said, it pings back off. I'm like, right, we probably won't exist on Earth by the time that... No. Yeah, imagine if you had a... Because there's that thing, isn't there, where like, if you had a powerful enough telescope and you were far enough, you could essentially see back in time. Yes. So you could see, yeah. you know, the Battle of Hastings or whatever if you were on some distant planet. And you wonder if, if an alien had a powerful enough telescope, they'd look back and they could see... You know, the continents might not be where they yeah. are. It could be like Pangaea, yes. and they go, "Wow, yeah. it's this world is all like this." And then by the time and they be get like, here, "Oh, we're not that bothered." Like... It's totally different. They go, "Oh, we got the wrong one. Carry on." Yes, <laughs> and they yeah. just carry on. They pass us by. Like I said, twenty five thousand years is just we can't comprehend realistically. We no. we understand because we're intelligent people what twenty five thousand years means and what that means in the passage of time, but we can't comprehend just how different. Coming on from your apocalypse apocalypse episode. We might not even exist in twenty five thousand years time. <laughs> yeah, like, sure. and they could. So the message could then get back to us. It goes back to them, and th- by the time that we've sent, <laughs> hi, <laughs> UK, <laughs> ASL, <laughs> it's like two hundred thousand years have passed, yeah, sure. and we're still no further on to find out where they are. Yeah, we just know they're on that star that we still can't get to. Yeah, because surely that'd crazy. be pretty infuriating. To know there's a star out there, like we know there's another form of life out there, but there's no way we're ever going to get to them. Yeah, it's going to take twenty five thousand years to communicate with them. Yeah, and we get there and they've Morse code. They've nipped out. They've nipped out for some sugar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, number four is that stars are so far away. 
it's unlikely that. Yeah, message... and that, that seems like the most like most logical, or yeah, like the most practical reason. And number five kind of leads on from it in terms of the passage of time. To make contact, a civilization and an alien civilization would need to exist at the same time. Yeah, have to sync up. Yeah. Sure. So an alien civilization also needs to exist at the same time that humans and humans have been alive for a relatively short period of Earth's existence. Yeah. Humans as we know them now, like humans that can communicate verbally and are intelligent beings yeah. have only existed for a relatively short time. So it's possible that extraterrestrials have made contact with Earth, maybe even visited Earth. But it mm. happened in the Jurassic times when there were no humans there to see it and the dinosaurs have been a bit like, no, 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 we, this is our, this is our turf. Like, yeah. it's, it's, the it's alien un- dino wars. It's, <laughs> it's unlikely that that has happened, but obviously there's no one there to have recorded it. Mm. So someone could have landed on Earth 50,000 years ago mm. and the, the T-Rexes have just gone, <laughs> a little green man. <laughs> You've been watching Ridley Scott. <laughs> but, um, so perhaps they came a long time ago, perhaps they'll come in the future, perhaps they've never come at all. Mm. Number six, long distance space travel isn't possible for us. So why would it be possible for them? We've kind of touched yeah. on that already. It's currently beyond our capabilities to send a large spacecraft out into the stars like we can get to a certain distance but not very far as things stand we are able to send radio waves at the speed of light but that's just a radio wave yeah just traveling out into the vacuum of space (laughs) well that's it you said twenty-five thousand light Mm. years to one of the nearest stars and we've just got yeah we've got no hope yeah if we want to send physical mass out into the out into the ether in the form of even if we could it would take twenty-five thousand years and even if it was just a probe yeah it would be incredibly difficult let alone a pa- you can't send you can send people out there because they definitely die yeah <laughs> like they even if they didn't die through the conditions they die just because they got really old yeah like just just through the process of time <laughs> um, and current technology means we can't send anything heavier than a gram <laughs> wow <laughs> so whilst it sounds exciting it's a bloody long way off yeah sure um, humans certainly won't be getting out into space no. anytime soon well think of um what was it? Was it Challenger? One of the there was two of them, and one of them, or have they both now just left our yes. solar system? Yeah, and that's just getting. You know, it's not even leaving our galaxy. It's just beyond our solar system. And that's it's taken like 40, 50 years. Yes, yeah. The final reason, and this has been a mega second um, golden <laughs> fact, is we're working on the basis that the aliens actually want to communicate with us in the first place and want to visit us. Mm. So even if life forms with technology far more advanced as we have established would need to happen, exist, they would have to want to make contact. Any aliens out there may feel a little bit apathetic about actually meeting Earthlings. Why would they want to? Why do they need to? If they're much more advanced than us, we always think of ourselves because we're egocentric narcissistic people <laughs> we think of ourselves as being the great powerful people on this we're the only life form yeah we're like the pinnacle this, of evolution yeah we're the <laughs> only planet and it's nothing to do with us it's to do with our planet it's to do with mm-hmm. the, the, like the like nature isn't it like yeah there's allowed humans to be able to survive on this planet if we're saying that there isn't another people out there they might be way 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 further advanced than us and they're a bit like oh look at them it's like what what we imagine playing with worms in the garden? Yeah, look at that. They're they're walking on a two feet. Like they, their cars still go on the road. Like yeah. we we can just click our fingers and we just appear seven million miles away. Like we're working on the basis they have any desire to see us, and they may not be overly keen on the idea of travelling between 
stars for thousands of years in order to do what when they get here? Talk to a monkey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, or convert, like, opposite, like, there's always just that risk of, especially when communication is an issue, like, are we just going to fight? Is that the natural yes. thing that we'll do? We'll yeah, meet, yeah, yeah, precisely. We'll, we'll misunderstand, even if yeah. we can talk, we might misunderstand and... Yeah, is, is it just more hassle than it's worth? Yeah, and it might just explain why we've never had any visitations because mm. they're just simply happy enough where they are. Yeah. that That's <laughs> the, the, the crux of it, isn't it? So there is a mega golden fact number yes. two. There are seven <laughs> golden reasons why aliens probably haven't reached Earth. I am on to golden fact number three. It wouldn't be an episode of an alien discussion if we didn't discuss the idea of being abducted by aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all... Do you believe that anyone has ever been abducted by aliens? <laughs> no. Okay, good. Just, just, so we're, just so we're clear. But I think let's first discuss what we mean by an alien abduction. So an alien abduction refers to the phenomenon of people reporting, that's the important part, <laughs> what they believe to be the real experience of being kidnapped by an extraterrestrial being and subjected to physical and psychological experimentation. Most scientists and mental health professionals explain that these experiences are caused by factors such as suggestibility (laughs) sleep paralysis deception and psychopathology so skeptic robert schieffer sees similarity between aliens depicted in science fiction films in particular invaders from mars Mm -hmm. and some of those reported to have actually abducted people they're always exactly what we imagine them to be aren't they so people claiming to be abducted are usually called abductees or experiencers (laughs) and typical claims involve forced like the standard thing that happens is a forced medical examination that emphasizes what does it emphasize <laughs> a probe in the uh, the bottom <laughs> yes or or uh, of the reproductive systems i think yeah. is the other one um people sometimes claim to have been warned against ad- environmental abuses and the dangers of nuclear weapons or to have engaged in again a very common thing in these these groups interspecies breeding Seems to be a very common one. The contents of the abduction narrative often seem to vary with the home culture of wherever the person has come from. Um, But UFOs, alien abductions and mind control plots can also be part of a radical, political, apocalyptic and like crazy (laughs) narrative. So golden fact number three is a little tale of a man who claimed to have been abducted by some extraterrestrials. So I'm going to take you to uh, late 1950s Brazil. Ooh. And I want to introduce you to a man called Antonio Villas Boas. Don't know if he's in any relation to uh, um, <laughs> Andre, <laughs> uh, but he was a 23-year-old Brazilian farmer who was working at night to avoid the hot temperature. He was plowing the fields um, when he saw what he described as a red star in the night sky. According to his story, this star approached his position, growing in size until it became recognisable as a roughly like egg-shaped aerial craft with a red light at its front. Um, and like a rotating thing at the top. Like a little propeller or something. Yeah, like a cupola thing. Right, okay. The craft began descending to land on the field. You know where this is going already, <laughs> don't you? Uh, extending three legs, as it did so. <laughs> uh, you could basically describe what's happening here. So at that point, he decided to run for his life. Okay. According to him, he first attempted to leave the scene on his tractor, but when its lights and engines died... <laughs> when he realised that tractors drive five miles an hour, <laughs> yeah. he thought well, it'd be quicker to no. walk. No, coincidentally, the lights and engine just stopped working. Oh. After only travelling a uh, short distance, he decided to continue on foot. However, he was seized by a 1.5, so 1.5 metres, so like five foot um, little humanoid who was wearing grey overalls and a helmet. 
Right. Okay. Oh my god, he's <laughs> Its eyes were small and blue, and instead of speech, it made noises that were like a, a bark or a yelp. Three similar beings then joined the first in subduing him, and they dragged him inside the craft. Once inside, what do you think was the, thing was the first thing they did, Tom? What <laughs> I think you... they stripped him they naked. They stripped him <laughs> naked and covered him from head to toe with a strange gel. Oh. He was then led into a small semicircular room through a doorway that had strange red symbols written all over it. He claimed that he was able to memorise these symbols and later reproduce them for investigators. Wow. I mean, let's take that with a pinch of salt. In this room, the beings took samples of his blood from his chin. After this, he was then taken to a third room and left alone for around half an hour. During this time, some kind of gas was pumped into the room, which made him become violently ill. Shortly after this, he claimed that he was joined in the room by another... We'll call them humanoids rather than an alien. <laughs> this one, however, was... What do you think What do you think the characteristic of this one might have been? Um, so he's a, he's a 23-year-old male. So what do you think this... Oh, it's a lovely female. A very attractive <laughs> female. And what do you think might have been the main feature of her? <laughs> I think she might have had a, a large bosom. Well, <laughs> I can't comment on the size of her bosom, but I can comment on she was Starkers. She was also naked, of course. She was the same height as him. Oh, so, sorry, the same height as the other aliens. Um, with a small pointed chin and eyes that look like a cat. Right, okay. The head on her hair was long and white, like a platinum blonde sort of white, I'm imagining. Um, And her underarm and pubic hair was bright red. Oh, okay. Um, And he claimed that he was very attracted to this this woman and they had sex. And during having sex with this alien, he noted that the female did not kiss him, but instead nipped him on the chin. Oh, when it was all over, the uh, the female smiled at him, rubbed her belly and gestured upwards. Uh, he took this to mean that she was going to leave him and raise their child in space. <laughs> the female seemed relieved that the task was over and he himself said that he felt angered by the situation because he felt as though he had been little more than a stallion. <laughs> <laughs> so he said that he was given back his clothing because his deed is done and taken on a tour of the ship by the humanoids, because they always finish with a tour of the ship. (laughs) We're going to come, we're going to seize your sperm, (laughs) we're going to recreate human life back where we come from, but do you want to have a look around whilst you're here? (laughs) We've just had the kitchen done. During the tour, um, uh, Antonio said that he attempted to take a clock-like device from the uh, UFO as part of his encounter but was caught by them and prevented from doing so he was then um, taken off the ship and watched as it took off glowing brightly of course because it's how UFO. big is this ship so you said it was sort of egg shaped but it must have been if they, big if enough need... to get several people yeah and if you need a, a tour that implies yeah. this is like a large house <laughs> what I never understand with these things is how only one person at a time ever sees them like, yes. if something landed... It's always a farmer as well. A guy working in a field at night where, you know, yeah. he's on his own for, like, miles and miles. And they must be running really quietly. Because, like, I get woken up if there's a bit of rain outside my house. <laughs> How do the people it's from those, around... Uh, it's those electric spaceships, mate. They're well, really yeah, quiet. Well, yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk is uh, slowly <laughs> bringing the electric technology into um, the UFOs. So he's but, made his fortune. So, like I said, took off. And when he returned home... He discovered that only four hours had gone. He'd, he felt like he'd been gone for days. Goodness. Um, but crazily, maybe not that crazy, like this is the 1960s, he became a lawyer. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be represented by him. Got married, had four children, and they presumably had their, their stepbrother or sister <laughs> living on some crazy planet millions of miles away. And he stuck to his story for the rest of his life. 
Wow. And he died in 1991. But it's crazy that he just stuck to it so sort of fervently. Yeah. Um, and following the event, he claimed to have suffered from nausea and like weakness and headaches and, and lesions on his skin. Um, okay. But without any kind of bruising to suggest why it would be there. Um, eventually he contacted a, a Brazilian journalist who had placed an ad in a newspaper looking for people who had had experiences with UFOs. Oh, so he, didn't, he didn't immediately come forward and say, this doesn't, is what doesn't happened to me. doesn't sound like it. Um, and so they then went to the National School of Medicine in Brazil um, and did a bit of work all together and they examined him and concluded that he'd been exposed to a large, that he had been exposed to a large dose of radiation from okay. some source and was now suffering from mild radiation sickness. So whether he'd been exposed to radiation in some form, which had caused all these hallucinations. Yeah. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe the radiation came from the aliens. Tom. Maybe. Maybe. We also um, lived down the road from a nuclear power plant. Well, yeah, we're not, we're not going to talk about that, but there we have it. Um, a little bit of everything. Mm. in this episode I do want to just say a quick apology to our good friend Stuart Hill and I've completely missed my Roswell bit off the end of this episode well we could talk about it still we can yeah so do you want to <laughs> sort of well, I think the thing was that I was going to ask about the the Brazilian farmer is that the thing with Roswell is that they always claim that it was a it was like a military base isn't it and there's, there's normally a case of Sightings of UFOs are normally near airports or places where there are things bases. landing a lot and where there's lots of lights. Yeah, and, so and the, people getting on and off things. Sure, yeah. and so the, the the story of Roswell wasn't it that the government maintained that it's just a it was an advanced military sort of like testing site. Yeah, and so the reason that you might have seen a funny looking thing in the air is because it was a prototype and aircraft. The, and didn't they claim that the aliens were just like test dummies? So the, so the idea is that, yeah, they, they were seen with bodies coming off on stretchers and things and then tested on and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think... I also wonder, like, what do the government have to gain from keeping it a secret? I'm not really sure. Like, back in my Antarctica episode, there's that pilot guy who was like, there's a secret pact between, like, the you know, the leading governments of the world yes. and aliens. And it's like, okay, let's say that's true. What, yeah. Like, what... what is being done because ultimately if we weren't able to stop these aliens landing at Roswell we couldn't stop that happening because that happened yeah yeah. supposedly in this narrative if that happened we weren't able to stop them so you're not you're not doing it to say we managed to fight off these aliens I I just don't understand yeah why they would cover it up because surely you'd want people to be prepared for an alien invasion if there was about to be one and the idea there then wasn't another one afterwards they yeah. just tried once and then just gave up. And we're publicly funding all of these experiments and there are, you know, good luck to them, the amateurs out there doing their own thing. But NASA get a ridiculous amount of funding to look for all this stuff. Yeah. So if we found it, are we really going to spend all that money and stuff trying to find something and then when you finally do find it, you just go, oh, let's just keep it a secret? It just, it doesn't seem believable. Yeah, I just, I mean... I like I said I don't believe aliens have ever visited Earth. I don't. I do believe there are probably there there is probably extraterrestrial life out there. Sure. But there are so many conspiracy theories about Roswell as well. But it's even even now there's still stuff coming out. There's still even in February 2020 there was an Air Force historian revealed a declassified report um, of an incident where two Roswell personnel had donned like radioactive masks 
and oxygen mask and all the suits and stuff um, and had retrieved a weather balloon after an atomic test and on one occasion they encountered a lone woman in the desert who fainted when she saw them so she's obviously got oh my god they've got this huge big thing and they they're dressed in yeah. these suits and it says that like, the personnel could have appeared to someone unaccustomed to that sort of gear to be aliens yeah because so, wasn't the Roswell incident in the 50s yes yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah you're not going to be used to seeing strange things like well no that. it was 40s it was just after the second world war it was 1947 right um, when they were doing all sorts of, like, for the war effort, testing all kinds of new yes, technologies. Yeah. One of the coolest things I like about Roswell, um, and this is a little hidden gem, is that Roswell, the city of Roswell, now has, like, a little alien on its official seal. Nice. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's got a little green man, of course, it's got a little green man. Uh, on its little seal was a bit of a... Um, <laughs> a nod to a made-up thing that happened on their on uh, their turn. You've got to embrace it. I bet the tourism in that place is yeah. through the roof. I'd imagine they've probably got quite a lot of like UFO museum... T- well, I don't know what what artefacts you'd have in a UFO museum, but yeah. there must be something that gets the crowds coming to them. Because that's the only reason anyone knows where Roswell is. Yeah. like I literally couldn't tell you anything out about Roswell at all. No, yeah, you only hear about it through that one yeah. incident. And yeah, that was... Cool. 80 odd years ago yeah. now <laughs> absolutely ridiculous but yeah there we have it I'm uh, I'm done with episode 10 we, we're, we're on the final stretch now so that's one left each it is so, so home. what have you got next week so next week I'm going to be looking at Alexander the Great oh back to a, a biography yeah so one of the best sort of military leaders in human history so how can people get in touch with us people can get in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter with at factitious pod um, on Facebook, you just search factitious podcast, and for email, it's factitious podcast at gmail.com. People can also head to our Patreon account, can't they? And there are, yes, so we've got a range of benefits. I'll leave a link in the episode description, but we've got things like ad free, early access, um, access to our factitious plus, which is a sort of like bonus content, like extra long episodes. Um, and then we also got, we want to get your listeners involved as well. So you'll have the, the chance to ask questions, suggest subjects and things like that. So you can find all the details um, on the link in the description. But that's Patreon. If you just search Factitious Podcast as well, you'll be able to find that. And a big shout out, Mike Kavanagh, Rob Craig, Sarah McDaniel and Stuart Hill. Big shout out to you guys. Big, big shout out. But with nothing left to add, I just want to say a big thank you to Tom for joining me. And I'll say thank you for educating me on all things aliens. It's been a very good topic. So, um, But I'm looking forward to being back in the, the teacher seat next week for Alexander the Great. Perfect. And thank you to all of you for listening. See you later. Bye. Bye.